When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Creature Feature, production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, we're talking about interspecies buddies. Friends, pals, comrades, and chums who don't see speciation as a barrier to friendship. We'll talk about the difference between mutualism and commensalism, why every birdie loves a capybara, and how the beaches of the Galapagos are a great place for friendship. And also, the only time you want to be inside the mouth of a giant moray. Discover the s'mores we answer the age-old question, do some animals actually enjoy getting crap from their friends? Just so you know, our producer, Joelle Monique, will return in a few weeks, so we'll get to hear her lovely voice again soon. Today on the show, I've invited my good friend, artist and filmmaker, Randall Maynard. Welcome. Thank you. Do I talk now? This is where I talk? Yeah, you do talk hey. now. This is where you talk. Hi. <laughs> Believe it or That's not, not this, is how all of okay. our, this is how all of our conversations go, where I have to tell Randall, like, this is where you talk now. This is what's what's going on. I say, what's going on? Where am I? And then you explain the situation. <laughs> so you talk now. I'm so confused, talking. but I just go along with it because it's like, right. why? Let's just let's just go ahead. That's that's right. fine. We're talking right. about animals. Yeah, we're talking about animals. I just want to let you know that I came prepared by bringing a tiny plastic turtle. I see that. That I'm shoving into the webcam. No, I see it. And is also unrelated to every animal we're going to be talking about in this episode. Mostly. But yeah, no, I appreciate the turtle, the 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 turtle drop, as we like. To I don't feel like you do, but I thank you for lying. That's okay. Yeah, no, that's what keeps honestly what keeps friendships afloat are nice lies, kind lies. Like, yeah, that's great that that plastic turtle you're showing me. I love it. Uh, oh, but you did give me a very nice gift. You gave me 
a creature feature podcast action figure of me surrounded by various like scorpions and horned toads. It's very lovely. Uh, I will be posting that to the Creature Feature Instagram, which is at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram. So check that out to see. It's definitely on the shelves at every store. You know, it's at Target and Walmart and Price Co. Yep. and Toys for Kids. Remember that? That's toy kids store. Toys, yeah. Toys, toys the... are us. We are toys. Yeah. But yeah. That, thank you for Sadly, that. Sadly, I couldn't yeah. think of a toy store that was currently open either right. due to uh, cl- just closing in general uh, or because of uh, the pandemic. So right. wherever toys are found. But it, it basically has just like a fistful of plastic creatures jammed into the package with you, which I thought was the best representation of your relationship with animals was yes. just to be literally surrounded by them yeah. in a closed tight quarters yeah. in a transparent bubble. Yeah. Could you, could you make these like, they're like action figure, these sort of special action figures where it's, you know how it has like the plastic box that it's in and then the cardboard backing. And then it says creature feature podcast special. So it's very, very lovely. You've made all sorts of these too. Um, we'll definitely plug those later. Your yeah, this is I just I'm gonna yeah, it's gonna just lead to the the whole episode is gonna be talking about Action the toys figures. that I make. Yeah, 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 and uh, co-opting no. your podcast to talk about toys. No, but also no, because uh, I will be arrested by the podcast tribunal for for deviating right. topic. <laughs> no, today we're talking about friendship, and uh, I feel like. There is a lot of complexity between animals, and often we just kind of call them symbiotic relationships. Sometimes people get confused about like symbiosis because often symbiosis is just a general term for animals who work together or benefit from each other, when in fact, symbiotic relationships describe any linked relationship between two animals. So it can be positive, it can be negative, it can be deadly. Um, So parasitism is a symbiotic relationship, and that is, of course, where one animal leeches off of another to its detriment or even death. There's a movie about that called Venom, Mm. that if you can watch that and it'll tell you all you need to know about symbiosis. It's where an alien (laughs) attaches itself to Tom Hardy and he becomes a big monster. And it's just, it's a perfect example of what you're talking about. Let me go through the terms and you tell me what is symbiote and Tom Hardy's relationship in that movie. Because there is, there are positive symbiotic relationships such as mutualism where both organisms benefit and commensalism where one benefits, but the other is neither harmed nor hindered in any way. So it's it's kind of a lopsided relationship, but the, the one of the animals just like is totally indifferent. It, it doesn't matter at all. I actually haven't seen, what's that, what's the movie? It's called Venom. V- Venom, yeah. How would you describe Tom Hardy and the goo suits relationship? It's parasitic, but it's confusing because I think it, it combines a few of those things mm. where it's, there is a there's a mutual benefit also, but there's also a there's a parasitic nature. But I think once it's, I think honestly, like if if I'm being totally candid and respect to the creators of Venom, I think once the it's it's described as parasitic, but then once it 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 gets on a certain host and it becomes cool, 
then it's it's not a danger anymore in in the sense of for the sake of drama the 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 parasitic part only comes back if it's necessary otherwise it's a mutual beneficial sort of thing where they're they're helping each other interesting i guess uh yeah so um yeah yeah so it's combining it's kind of like it's it's rolling through all the the levels of friendship yeah, where it starts off as a sort of a parasite and then turns into mutualism, right. as all healthy relationships. Uh, I was going to say, just like our friendship, where right. I started off, where I was very, you described me as very parasitic, right. but then eventually came around to, to, to finding it to be mutual, and then right. now have evolved to complete indifference. Just, right, exactly. It doesn't matter. Like at first, as I was person like, stop exists. sucking all of my blood. Then I was <laughs> like, hey, I, I had too much blood, anyways too much blood floating around i'm right. glad he got rid of some of it and then now it's just yeah. like i don't care whether or not my blood is gone just take, just take the blood it doesn't matter anymore <laughs> nothing matters it's 2020 <laughs> who cares well so our first group of animals we're going to talk about are on the galapagos islands which is home to really incredible Creatures that have evolved in very difficult evolutionary niches. Of course, it's the famous place that Darwin went and farted around in and wrote his silly books about. But it really is incredible, not just to see like the cool animals, but also to see how their relationships are with each other. And I think the best demonstration of this is the seaside friendships along the coast of the Galapagos Islands. And let's start with the marine iguana. Because the marine iguana is a very interesting animal who has a bunch of friends. So the marine iguana is, it looks very dragon-like. And this is the really mean description that Charles Darwin had for marine iguanas that I think is kind of unfair. So he said, quote, the black lava rocks on the beach are frequented by large two to three foot or 0.6 to 0.9 meters, most disgusting and clumsy lizards. They are as black as the porous rocks over which they crawl and seek their prey from the sea. Somebody calls them imps of darkness. They assuredly will become the land they inhabit. Did he say somebody called them that? Like he heard that on... Yeah, Real weasel words, Darwin. Just like insult them to their face, not be like, oh, somebody said you're an imp of darkness. I heard out there that they're calling you imps. It's not me. It's just, it's, I, you know, that's just what I hear. That's just, a, that's word on the, that's word on these, uh, the word on the beach, word on the beach on these rocks <laughs> is that you guys are called imps. Who else was there that was calling them that? <laughs> Nobody. He's, uh, he Darn. doesn't even want to. He's, he's scared of. He's scared of disparaging these creatures, even in in writing. He's just the bully. This, this coward. He's like taking a finch and giving it a swirly. We're on to you, bully. Yeah. We're gonna cancel Darwin. He just. He's just angry and just calling animals ugly. <laughs> That's not scientific. You're like, oh, this one's real dark and ugly. Look at that piece of shit. <laughs> it's an imp of darkness, and the poor little marine yeah. is just like. I know. He's just minding his own business. <laughs> Can I'm I, can just I trying point to thermoregulate, pal. I'm just trying to get some <laughs> thermoregulation. Didn't ask yeah. for your opinion. You're interrupting some really good thermoregulation. Right. Just to spew your hatred, Darwin. Right. And to be fair, what's sad is that Darwin missed out on an opportunity because this iguana clearly has a better relationship with a rock than it does with a human being that visited <laughs> the island that could have had a great time with the iguana, partying with iguanas. 
I mean, seriously, like if Darwin hadn't been so judgy, he probably would have had a great time with these iguanas because they are really yeah. cool, cool reptiles. So they are indeed ashy black. They're kind of chunky. They have sort of a snub face. Um, they have spines running along their backs. They have long, thick tails. And they're about the size of a small to medium-sized chihuahua. And they do like to hang out on the lava rocks on the coast of the Galapagos Islands because they are cold-blooded, which doesn't mean that their blood is always cold. It just means that they are ectothermic, meaning that they have to warm themselves up by sitting in the sun and cool themselves off by being in the shade or in the water. And so when they aren't hanging out on the rocks heating up, they're actually often diving into the water because they are excellent swimmers and their diet is made up mostly of algae. So they're very, they're just little vegetarians. They nibble off of rocks, this algae, or they dive underwater and swim very gracefully like some kind of sea dragon. And one of the consequences of them eating algae is that they take in so much salty water with their diet they have to expel some of the excess, which they do with these like salty, wet sneezes. So, oh, yeah, God. just like a sea dragon, except they snort out salt water instead of fire. But instead of fire, it's just this horrible, right? It's saline. Uh, it's, it's just mucus and, it's and, not and salt water everywhere. Mucus. That's projection. Us humans. Sorry, that was that was I was, that was very Dar Darwinian of me <laughs> to just be so uh, so judgmental. No, it's really just like a spray of salt water. Yeah, that's got to be gross, but it's got to be awesome at the same time. Uh, I don't know why. Just because it's like. Experience. I don't know. Why not? I don't know. Why not? Worse things can happen I think it, I, than being I, I would, sneezed on by right, a dragon. Like it's a little shot of like Vizine, you know? Clear out your, clear out yeah. your eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah, what's your problem? Like you haven't had or, you know, like, you, you, that, that other nasal weird spray that helps things. clear up your sinuses? Just shove one of these marine iguanas under your nose and there you go. Clear go find an iguana. Go find it. Clear you don't right go, up. Don't actually yeah. do that. Says our lawyer. Because they're actually their iguanas are they are dangerous. No, they're not dangerous. <laughs> We're dangerous to the iguanas. We can actually no, like they are. They let humans pick them up. They just because I just don't think they understand how much danger a human poses. So they're pretty chill, especially when they're lethargic and they haven't warmed up on the rocks yet. They get very sleepy. So when you pick one up, it's just kind of like chills out. But you shouldn't do that. I mean, yes, they could potentially bite you. But more importantly, you carry pathogens that could hurt the iguana. So don't do it. Leave those iguanas alone. As we've learned this year, the one thing Americans care about the most <laughs> is not hurting each other with pathogens. I mean, it's funny because like on the Galapagos Islands, they tell people to stay like six feet away from the iguanas. So already we've tried to get people to social distance from the vulnerable. So... Right. It, and yeah. uh, so the iguanas don't stand a chance, but we still love them. They're great. We still uh, love them. And, and Darwin, of... Darwin, no matter how much shit Darwin talks about these iguanas, <laughs> they're fantastic. Right. And a lot of animals do love the iguanas. So they actually have, um, they do have a few predators, so they will be kind of snippy when disturbed to protect themselves, but otherwise they're pretty chill and they will be extremely permissive of little visitors who come to them. So among their friends, there are Darwin's finches and Sally Lightfoot crabs 
who come over to the iguanas and pick off mites and ticks and dead skin and basically give them free skin care in return for just being able to eat whatever they find. So it's not uncommon yeah. t to see a crab crawling all over an iguana, picking at it, and the iguana's perfectly happy to let this happen because this is a case of mutualism. The iguana gets free skin care, gets its parasites taken off of it, and the crab gets a tasty meal of skin junk. Yeah, that's uh, and it and to me uh, to to paint a picture of this, it looks a hundred percent horrifying, and I would assume as a human that that I would need to intervene if I saw something like this because it looks like an iguana is being eaten by a swarm of crabs, and I would be like, no, don't, I gotta save this iguana, and I would produce looks. a broom. He uh, he, I guess as much as a, a lizard can show happiness on their with their limited facial expressions <laughs> he, i would say it's more of a contentment yeah. like he looks, looks he doesn't content. he doesn't seem alarmed doesn't seem alarmed that he's covered in in crabs however if i woke up covered in crabs this way this would be terrifying <laughs> but so yeah i guess i guess the, the lesson to take away is let creatures eat things off your skin if you want. Exactly. That's the lesson of the day. If you see if you see an iguana covered in crabs, don't freak out and bring a broom and start sweeping them off because they're doing their own thing. You got to let let animals do their own right, thing. Right. Exactly. And another thing you should not be alarmed if you see is an iguana wearing a little lizard as a hat. So there are these little tiny lizards called lava lizards that are just like a few inches, a few centimeters big. So they are literally like smaller than the head of one of these iguanas, but they will climb up on the iguana for a better vantage point when hunting flies. And this doesn't necessarily help out the iguana because I don't think flies are able to really pester. The, the iguana has such thick skin that the flies can't really bite them. It can't really get bother them but the lava lizards right. don't bother them either so they just ignore the lava lizards let them crawl all over and catch flies from this great vantage point and it's it's very cute to see because it's this tiny lizard it's adorable it's a lizard hat and it's funny because the lizard's like i have the high ground but it's at the top of a head of another animal right right which is a little bit confusing to me because i I think it would find there's probably higher things to get on top of, but they've just decided that unless it's alive, they're not going to. Technically, though, there is a taller perch that they do use, which is the sea lion who welcomes the little lava lizards because the lava lizards eat up these flies and the sea lions are actually pestered by these flies, seem much more bothered by them than the iguanas do, probably because they, you know, they get in their eyes and, and they kind of like bother them. They get, they, you know, can get on their fur and it's annoying. So the lava lizards will just crawl over these sea lions and jump. They literally leap in the air and snap the flies right out of the air as the sea lion seems very content to have this happen because it's a personal fly swatter going around getting rid of all the flies. I'd be stoked if I could have a setup like that. I know, right? Just your personal fly hunter going around yeah i'd love that put them on your put them in in your ear like a 
like a flower or a Bluetooth little headset. You get a little lizard right. there, and you're like, hey, buddy. Right. Hey, buddy, just hang out right here. Don't even worry about it. And then if you see a fly, just get that thing exactly. for me. Swoop in. And the sea lions and the marine iguanas also coexist peacefully. So they don't really help each other, but they don't really bother each other either. And the sea lions even allow mm. the marine iguanas to kind of crawl on top of them because, you know, it just doesn't, they don't really compete. They don't have many conflicts. So you have... Um, uh, you know, the, this j just very interestingly how you can see all sorts of different relationships between animals living on this shoreline where you have mutualism, where the sea lions let the little lizards snap up flies around them. You have commensalism, where the lava lizards snap up flies around the marine iguanas, even though the marine iguanas don't really need the help. And you have mutualism of the crabs eating the skin and parasites off of the marine iguanas. It's just, it's really cool. It's like, you know, this big old beach party of all these animals. I was going to say, there's a whole shoreline culture right. that's outstanding because it's just creatures crawling all over each mm -hmm. other freely, using each other as mountains. Baywatch. Whatever. Right. It's, yeah, ba it's Baywatch. It's, uh, it's basically, it's Baywatch mm -hmm. with lizards. Dun, 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 uh, dun, dun, which, dun. And by the way... We edit that out of the show because that we can pitch that right, to Netflix. Right, right. I'm just imagining don't, don't a lizard the, running across the beach in slow motion. Definitely not imagining <laughs> a lizard with boobs. That's not happening. So don't oh, worry. Oh God! Oh no! <laughs> in a bikini. No one wanted that. In a bikini. No one wanted that. Lizard in a bikini. Oh God! Don't no. think about a lizard in a bikini. Do think about it. Think about a lizard covered in crabs and how. That is okay. And it's beautiful, actually. It's, it's a beautiful, it's more than okay. horrible looking thing. It's a beautiful, it's friendship. It looks like monsters eating each other, but we should, we should think of it as a beautiful thing. I blame Darwin for this feeling that I have, this, this bias that I have against the, the lizards. And, and, you know, I feel like this, this set off a chain reaction because he comes back, he writes his book. By the way, you can find all this writing Darwin did about the, the shoreline of, uh, can you edit in? That sounded like I know what I was talking about here. Edit the, in the, the <laughs> origin of species. The, wherever the hell, <laughs> this, the Virgin Islands, the Cayman Islands, or whatever. The uh, on lava, Islands. Lava Town, USA. Lava Town. It's actually just called Lava Town, yeah. When you hear Darwin write about his lizard adventures and all his shit talking, you can read about that in his book, uh, Lizards Are Bullshit by <laughs> Darwin. And it's just a lizard with a middle finger pointing at it on the cover. You can't miss right. it. Uh, yeah. But I think that I, led directly that to Godzilla and a stigma yeah. to lizards. I, I have read that. The lizards are bullshit. It's actually kind of a required reading in most evolutionary biology courses. It's considered the seminal text on evolutionary biology. So, yeah. Right. No, I am familiar with with that famous work. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, no, I wasn't questioning right. it, but that's okay. You can go ahead and just just go ahead and mm -hmm. brag about that. That's fine. And then his his sequel to Lizards Are Bullshit. Lizards Are Bullshit too. Uh-oh, it turns out we all are lizards. <laughs> we all came from lizards. Right. It's like, sorry. It's a redaction mostly, but it's it's fine. 
What did we know Lizards back then? Lizards are bullshit. There's no way we're related to them. Part two. Whoops, we right. are. That's <laughs> like, sorry about that. Turns out that's exactly Turns the case. Turns out we share a common also ancestor. Also by Darwin. Yeah. Dang it. Damn it. <laughs> and that's why, you know, that's an important thing about science. It's constant evolution of theories. Mm-hmm. Gross. I'm editing Meaning that people are wrong a lot. No, <laughs> no, leave it in. It all stays in. The Galapagos Islands are not always such a friendly place, especially for babies. As soon as marine iguanas hatch from their eggs, they are immediately cast into the most dangerous peril of their lives, running from their hatchery towards the coast to escape the jaws of the swift, merciless Galapagos racer snakes, who love to pick off hatchling iguanas. The iguanas sprint as soon as they hatch, trying desperately to outrun and dodge the many snakes who congregate to feast upon them. It's amazing that these poor little iguanas grow up to have such a mellow disposition. When we return, we're going to visit the reigning champion of chillness, the most bodacious buddies of the animal kingdom, the capybaras. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Who's the biggest rodent of them all? Is it the rat? Not by a long shot. Is it a spiny porcupine? Close, but not yet. How about a beaver who can topple trees and cap knees? Nope. The biggest rodent in the world is the capybara, and it is one of the most chillaxed animals in the world. Now, as I've been saying this, Randall has been holding a dinosaur in the camera and making it talk, which I feel like I have to um, just sort of inhabit the the mental space of the capybara to be able to ignore the shenanigans going on with the dinosaur. So thanks for the dinosaur interlude. But now we are going to talk about the capybara which is the largest rodent in the world that lives in South America near bodies of water in savannas and forests. And it is a 
big old guinea pig. And and most famously, the pet of the tick from the animated series, the tick. Ah, yes. Where he thought he found a dog that could talk, but he was hallucinating, and it turned out he stole a capybara from the jungle, and it was in very terrible shape. Mm. Yes, yes. I, I too remember that episode of the 90s famous popular TV animated <laughs> series, The Tick. Yeah, but no, they, they are actually kind of the size of a dog. Like imagine a guinea pig just sized up to be bigger than a golden retriever. It weighs about 70 to 140 pounds. So that's 32 to 64 kilograms. And they grow to be almost five feet long, 1.5 meters, and two feet high, 0.6 meters. So that's... Uh, GD huge yeah. uh, is what that means are, in rodent terms. These are chunk masters. They're they're bi- they're just big. They're big. They're chunky and they're funky. And so yeah, they they are like guinea pigs in a lot of different ways too. Uh, other than just their appearances, they are very chill social animals. They are live in groups of about ten to up to a hundred. And they, um, like guinea pigs and rabbits and other rodents, uh, they eat their own feces or poop. It's actually a special type of poop that they eat (laughs) called a cecotrope that has undigested fermented sugars in it, which sounds great. Uh, I mean, yeah, if it's sugary, then then why not? Yeah, I mean... (laughs) You know what I say, if it's sugary... Why not? If it's sugary and it comes out of your butt, sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> it's your Put some sugar phrase. on it. Yeah. Just I'll gobble it sure. up. Sure. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, you know, they, they eat their sugary duties. So they are actually semi-aquatic as well. They are extremely good swimmers with webbed feet, and they can take naps in the water to stay cool, so they just float in the water with their snouts resting against the shore and just sleep. They're like the surfer dudes of the animal kingdom, except they mostly live near freshwater sources. But yeah, they're just like very the very definition of chill like you look up chill you just see a capybara sitting eyes closed chill chilled out a capybara a capybara always looks like he just smoked a j and he's like what's up man what's what's going on what do you want to do <laughs> yeah he's like yeah, no, uh, you want uh you want to eat some of my sugary poop i just had i just i just uh, <laughs> dropped some for you and you like you know you don't want to be rude, but you got to be yeah. like, I, I'm not going to do that, but thank you. No, thank dude, you. it's fine. Thank I, you, made, I pooped enough for both of us. I had in and out. Yeah, it's like, it was like, no, that's, and it's like, that's dude, okay. No, I already ate. Is, me, me poop is to poop. Yeah. You know? Me poop. <laughs> me, me dookie is sued dookie, as they say. As they say, as the capybara says. So yeah, they are very calm animals and they have a lot of cool bird friends. Who doesn't like to have cool bird friends? So many cool birds and they are all friends. Cool bird friends. Cool bird friends coming this Saturday on Saturday mornings <laughs> on Fox Fox Kids, which doesn't exist anymore because <laughs> that's a hundred year old reference. Oh yeah. Coming at you, bird friends. So 
black vultures, jacanas, cowbirds, and many other birds perch on capybaras and clean ticks and other parasites off their skin. So again, a bit, a bit like the, the light-footed crabs cleaning off ticks and junk off of the iguana, these birds will sit on the capybara and clean ticks and stuff off of them. Let me also just point out, by the way, this objectively, if you saw a capybara laying down on, on land and a vulture was on top of it, pecking at it right you think you would dead. not assume that was a positive symbiotic relationship <laughs> it would look like you just ran into the corpse of a capybara being eaten right just, just viciously de mercilessly devoured by a vulture and you'd be like oh my god and then it's like and then someone would hopefully someone would explain to you perhaps the spirit of darwin would come to you and say it, do not be afraid it is a chill friendship they're fine. No, what Darwin would what Darwin would say would be, "God damn, that is an ugly dog." Yeah, he'd be like, "Look at these ugly animals, that stupid giant pig." Am I right? And try to ghost high five you, and he'd be like, "Get out of here." It looks like hell. Earth is hell. That that's what that's what Darwin said in his. Darwin's his my favorite quote is him just saying, "Earth is hell," and then right before he died. <laughs> The Origin of Species, a book of total uggos. Yeah. Darwin was a mean it was a mean mean girl. So the capybara will even allow birds to ride on them like they are the bird's noble steed. And birds not only clean parasites off the capybara, which is a mutualistic relationship, they also will perch on them as a capybara trots around and wait for insects to get stirred up from the grass that the capybara is striding in and then they will go off and snap up the insects so basically they are like hunting on capybara back and the capybara is happy enough to let them do it it doesn't really get anything out of that specific relationship but it's you know they're just very chill they're all right with it yeah birds kind of treat them like horses i would say this was the parasitic exploitation if the, if I don't know if that's part of the thing, but I would I would add that on there onto the one of those levels because they're not parasitic exploitation. Is, yeah, because this is just a bird going like, oh look, an animal I can uh, hang out on, <laughs> and if it rides around, then I don't have to fly or walk or anything. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Well, but if it doesn't negatively affect the capybara, which it doesn't, then it's just commensalism because the bird benefits and the capybara oh, right. is like, eh, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, it's cool. That's true. Because it has coarse fur, it's got that. It's got like the the layers of fur, right? Because it's cause right. it, since it since it goes in the water, it's got that what I like to call the water hair fur, <laughs> and they don't really, you know, bird feet don't really bother them that much. So, yeah, I don't think the bird feet are really bothering them too much. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's like you could pick it all apart and say like this bird is kind of an asshole, right? Like if it pecks too hard at it, like that bird specifically may be an a hole. But yeah, in general, right. like the relationship with the birds, like it either helps the capybara because the bird is cleaning their fur or it just is, it's fine. It's like, you know, it's got a bird on its back now. Who's going to complain? That looks badass. But One thing I'm really resentful for when I see nature and I see how far we've disconnected ourselves from animals, because I really, I, I love animals and uh, I don't want to brag, but I eat plant-based. So I don't need any, I don't need animals. I love them. <laughs> uh, 
they're the best. And the thing that bums me out is how in nature animals just land on each other and they're super cool. And I wish as humans we had evolved to just be super chill with animals just landing <laughs> all over us wherever well, we go. Some animals I'd be like, like to land on eat. us like the mosquito. Oh, like yeah. The noble but mosquito. That's a little different. Yeah. The dynamic's mm. a little different. And then there's other animals that, that that try to grab us, and it's horrific. Like the like the the condor, which tries to just grab a human and just lift it off the ground and go How eat it. How often do you else. think this happens? Oh, I've heard all that about it. That doesn't happen. No. I like how you just casually drop this. Like, you know, like how condors go and grab you. You know how that happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. You know, that's what they're doing out there. But this pro-bird behavior with capybaras means that in captivity, they let ducks just walk all over them. And I've provided a video, which I will include in the show notes, that shows ducks just trouncing all over this poor capybara who doesn't seem to mind they are eating i think they are eating like parasites off of the capybara so i think it's getting some benefit but it does look like it's a gang of ducks just bullying this capybara being what what are you gonna do about it i'm sitting on you i'm sitting on you what are you gonna do about it you nature's sofa aren't you you just a dumb you just a sofa Come over here, lazy boy. Let me sit on you. No, but the ducks the ducks are actually helping him by cleaning his fur. Yeah, see that's so so they're they're cool. And the capybara is cool with everything, so it doesn't matter. He's like old school chill. He just doesn't he doesn't care about anything. Uh the baby capybaras, by the way, if you see one, will just melt your heart. That's that should be yeah. like a test of like whether or not someone is uh, capable of empathy or some sort of like right the new psychopath test baby capybara and if it doesn't if they don't go oh my god oh that's the cutest thing I've ever seen oh I don't even know what to do yeah then they're it's like you know it's like Blade Runner then you just gotta shoot them or whatever they right did right I forgot <laughs> you forgot how Blade you know they just you know if you if you don't cry when you see a capybara you have no soul that's what science says. Sorry. That's, that's the takeaway. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I want to talk about another instance of an animal being surprisingly chill when another animal just kind of like sits on it, goes all around. And have you ever heard of this thing where like, it's actually a myth of uh, birds sitting inside of crocodile mouths and picking, cleaning their teeth. The idea is that these Egyptian plovers will sit inside a Nile crocodile's mouth and clean meat from their teeth without getting eaten by the crocodile, like they're nature's little dentist. I guess it's like one of those factoids that gets spread around. Yeah, it's like the ostrich with the head in the sand kind of. Right, right. Like there's just not the the evidence of it is paper thin so it's just something that like so, probably some like old dude noted in some diary like yes we saw a nile crocodile and it had birds in its mouth who would have thought and we just take that as fact <laughs> right. but he's really just tripping balls on opium or something yeah right <laughs> he's like I was about on my journeys, and I, I, I began to see a, a bird, and it, I'm sure it was some sort of dentist bird. I mean, that's that much we can surmise confidently. And then the sun turned into a baby's head. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <Quite>. <laughs> yeah. 
But there is an actual real instance of something like this happening that to me is even more impressive. And you have to go under the sea. You know, like the screen wipe where it goes all like, and there's like bubbles and stuff. So, yeah. so it looks like you're going underwater. Imagine that yeah. happening. Like, now we're on. Yeah, that's how it sounds. Woobity boobity blur 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 blur. That's a really good Foley work. That's very good Foley work. Thank you. I practiced before the show, so. That's. Oh buddy but so under the water there are these cute little fish called cleaner wrasse and they like to dart in and out of the toothy demonic smile of large moray eels that could easily just snap the little fish right up like it's nothing and just slurp it up like it, it have you seen moray eel before just like hanging around like in person or uh yeah like when you get picked by up a by condor a condor and they drop me into the water in yeah <laughs> when i fight it off and i land in the into the shore mm-hmm. yeah then i like i'm like oh the eels carried me to safety uh <laughs> yeah that's uh, of course of course I mean, we've talked yeah. about this before. I don't know how many times I have to tell you about it. <laughs> yeah, no, they're flotsam and jetsam and Little Mermaid. They're mores. That's a moray. And so, which ones they, were they in the Little Mermaid? The flotsam and jetsam. They're the eel. They're the eel things that are Ursula's oh. pets. The companions. Oh, I forgot that part. How could you forget? They're the Sorry. Ursula okay. and those eels were the whole movie to me. I could give less of a care about right. Ariel and her whole like teenage drama of like, oh, there's a cute boy. I'm gonna I'm gonna abandon my entire ecosystem just for this cute boy. But no, like where it's at is octopus Ursula and her cool moray friends. She's a I queen. just remember the bird combing his feathers with a fork. And that oh, was yeah. my big takeaway from the movie, was that birds don't know shit about combing the hair. Well, they do know about, like, grooming their hair, just not with forks, you know? But not with forks. Not with yeah. forks. You can't, you can't learn everything you need to know about being a human through birds, through se- especially not through That's, seagulls. Yeah. You cannot trust seagulls. I think that is the other lesson. Yeah. You can't trust seagulls. You might think this is unrelated to what we're talking about if you're listening to this, but and it it's is. not because it comes back full circle <laughs> to don't trust seagulls. To don't never trust and a seagull. back to the eel, right? Because always eels trust an eel are in the always always because they're they're honest and they don't eat yeah. the little fish that go in their mouth. Right. Well, what happens is the moray eel is actually a client of the cleaner wrasse who goes around the moray's mouth and its lips and its head and picks off little parasites and cleans their mouths. So it is acting as like a little fish dentist and dermatologist all rolled into one cute little package. And these cleaner wrasse, they're little fish. They have this blue streak or another bright colored streak along their side that actually signals to fish that these are the cleaner wrasse. So it's like this dark band on their side and then it's it's branding essentially that fish learn that if you let these little cleaner wrasse clean you up then you're you will get a nice uh bit of free skin care 
it's not just moray eels. They will offer free parasite removal for many fish, and they actually have little cleaning stations where fish literally line up like they're at a car wash. So the one accurate thing in that terrible movie, what was it, like a shark tail? It was sort of trying to ride on the coattails of Finding Nemo. Nobody remembers oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It had the, it like, was sexy like, yeah, fish in it. was just a it. blink of an eye right. CG thing. Right, but they did have a fish. Was there an eel fish, in that one? I don't know. All I remember is the, the fish, like, making sex faces. And then also, like, they had a fish car wash, and that is actually accurate. So What? Yeah, and so like you'll have fishes lining up to get serviced by these cleaner wrasse and get a, get fully detailed, and the cleaner wrasse get to eat parasites from the fish. And we've actually talked about this before on the show, how there's this whole really interesting kind of economy of fish and cleaner wrasse, where the cleaner wrasse, if they start to nibble at the fish's flesh itself or like at their stress coat, the fish will boycott the cleaner wrasse. And then if the fish like eat a cleaner wrasse instead of just patiently allowing the pick off parasites, the cleaner wrasse will ban them from their services and ignore them. So other cleaner wrasse will be like, no, you ate my friend. I'm not your, you know, no, no shoes, no shirt, no eating my friends, please. Yeah. No service. No service, buddy. So, you ate a cleaner ass. Yeah. So it's like if you rob a bank and you get that exploding ink on you version of that right except it's like you we yeah. all saw you eat fred you can't like come back you can't yeah. come back to bojangles you ate one of our waiters get out <laughs> <laughs> i speak from experience but just something to be clear about because when these little fish are called cleaner ass and it keeps sounding like cleaner ass and it's cleaner ras w-r-a-s-s-e and it could sound like either cleaner rats, which you don't want to get confused. You want people to be confused with rats and fish. Right. It happens right. all the time. And that's that's terrible. And then uh, cleaner ass just sounds like that's right. not. That's well, just, it's that, something that's like, we should you know, all strive for, to be honest. But yeah. Right. But, but, but I mean, but that, it's not what that we're can about be dealt with on its own time and yeah. its own podcast. Although with the cleaner rats, you could get a cleaner ass. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. So if anyone's, uh, if we can mark this down as uh, host creature, feature host Katie Golden uh, endorsing that you put fish into your butt. Yeah. No, let, let the cleaner. lawyers come at me. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like the trust between the cleaner wrath and the moray eel is. More impressive than the alleged relationship between birds and Nile crocodiles because, all right, first I got to put this in perspective because moray eels, there, there are many different species of moray eels, but the big ones get huge. So the largest moray, the giant moray, which lives in the Indo-Pacific Ocean in coral reefs, can grow to be nine feet long or three meters and 66 pounds or 30 kilograms, whereas cleaner wrasse tend to be around four inches or 10 centimeters long. So teeny tiny compared to the moray. And moray eels, right. when you're a little fish faced with this moray eel, they are have a more terrifying set of jaws than a crocodile because they actually have two sets of jaws. The teeth that you see as they open their mouths, but inside their mouth near their throat, they have a second set of jaws, a smaller set of jaws called 
pharyngeal jaws, which looks like the little alien that comes out of the alien Holy. mouth in Alien. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's like the alien mouth. It's like, yeah. if you imagine you think you're going to escape the jaws of a moray eel, and then it's like, oh, sorry, there's a second mouth inside. Go fuck yourself. You're still getting eaten. Exactly. Ruin your day so if you're a, a little turtle just minding your own business over there. Right, that's good. It's good to, like, in he's holding up a blue plastic turtle, and it's always good to, like, incorporate prop comedy in an audio medium. But you I know. like to do I like to do a lot of visual aids and and my right. my podcast yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. If you can't see it, <laughs> it that's works. your problem. There are visual learners, and they are not listening yeah. to this podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> imagine if we were scuba diving. All right, mm, imagining it. Ah, the water is so cold. Brr. Yeah, right. There we go. We're, I hope everyone. I forgot to do the transition. And that's the water. Diving. That's the water. Okay. Now, now I can't talk underwater. We're, sc <laughs> we're scuba diving. I'm ignoring the fact that I'm terrified because I'm basically hydrophobic. What was that? I can't understand you yeah. were underwater. And then we both do Bane impressions to each other the entire time. But most importantly, I point out this horrific giant eel that I don't know about. And I go, oh my god, what's that? And you go, that's a moray. <laughs> clap, 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 clap. Good night. Good night. Mm -hmm. Bye, Good night. <laughs> that was a long, that was a long walk for that, and it's <laughs> totally worth it. I regret nothing. Friendships are a wonderful thing in the animal kingdom, but sometimes there's a little stinker trying to take advantage of mutual friendliness. Giant mores may not seem to risk much when allowing a tiny cleaner wrasse into their mouths, but the cleaner wrasse could nip at the moray's flesh instead of at parasites. The wrasse knows that these sorts of actions can get punished and typically stick to gentle cleaning. However, there are other species of fish that can take advantage of this trust, such as the tiny and terrible saber-toothed blinny fish. This little deviant impersonates the cleaner wrasse and tricks the moray into trusting it long enough to get a good bite out of the moray before quickly darting away from its shocked mark. When a saber-toothed blinny hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's a moray? Anyways, when we return, we're going to talk about some animals who share their meals, or, well, what used to be their meals, I guess, if you know what I mean. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. 
Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Ants, you may be familiar with these resourceful little insects making a pest of themselves at picnics or in your own kitchen. They are often indomitable conquerors, but sometimes they're little heroes, or should I say, anti-heroes? You get it, Randall? Anti? Anti-heroes? Because we're talking about ants? Anti? Anti-heroes? Yeah? I'm I'm waiting for the laughter. I'm waiting for the laughter. Where's the... Is there a delay? Is there a delay? I didn't hear you laugh. (laughs) I think there's a delay. There must be some sort of interference. My microphone is not picking up the laughter. And you got cut off when you were like busting a gut yeah, laughing. Yeah, it must have been. So, yeah, it, it clipped. It clipped. It was too loud. Sort of glitch. The laughing was so loud yeah, it clipped. It's blocking the laughter. <laughs> we're going to talk about meat ants. Bum, bum, bum. I, I like a good threatening uh, name for an ant. Meat ants. Meat ants. Meat ants. I like the idea that these were named meat ants because we use we farm them for meat. Like these are some meaty and succulent ants. Yeah, I know. It's it's, it's a weird name, and it's it's for the worst reason. It's little oh ants on a skewer, just like like an ant kebab. These are the meatiest yeah. ants I've ever had. No, but meat <laughs> well, ants. Damned. Meat ants are. Relatively normal-looking ants found only in Australia, so you know some weird stuff's about to go down. So they I, I do... Just, of course, of course they're Australian. I knew it. Look, they're so <laughs> horrific. <laughs> so meat ants do eat meat, typically from carcasses, uh, but they do attack and successfully defeat large prey, such as the cane toad. And the cane toad, as we've discussed before, is a horrible, toxic, invasive toad who is devastating the local fauna of Australia. And meat ants are actually immune to the cane toad's toxin, and they can attack the toads and devour them. So they are little Australian heroes defeating the horrible toads. Get it? They're anti-heroes, though. I think there's a delay. Is it anti-heroes? Get it? And they're also helpful to farmers because they clear away animal carcasses and they can actually skeletonize an animal carcass over the course of a few weeks. So that's that's cool, I think. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like the word skeletonize. That's Mm -hmm. like that really takes the murder out of it. They didn't murder the animal carcass. Was Was the animal killed or was it just skeletonized? (laughs) <laughs> I, I think in the case of really big animals it's that they don't kill the animals it's that the animal is dead and the ants come in and helpfully turn it into a skeleton and you can hang it up as Halloween I decorations just, instead of just having a moldering I'm, animal corpse I, here's the thing I, res- I respect that you know what you're talking about because I don't but I'm just gonna say I've seen some sh- okay, and I've seen I've seen an ant kill a guy. 
I'm just saying. Oh, wow. Is this right. the same? I'm not saying they all do. Is this the same day that you got picked up by a condor and got <laughs> thrown into the ocean? You've got a lot going on. One thing we know about nature is that it's completely unscientific and a total mystery <laughs> and that anything can happen. Like, I just have to trust you when you say you saw an ant kill a guy. There's no way to confirm. Exactly. There's no way to confirm it, no way to deny it, and right. definitely... Can't prove a negative. No. Never been done. So... And it never will. Back to science, thanks. Thank you for your very inventive <laughs> interlude, but back to science. So, the ants actually dabble in farming because they form symbiotic relationships with treehopper nymphs which is actually, so nymphs are like young forms of insects, so they can go through sort of these different metamorphoses. And so the nymph stage is a like baby stage of the metamorphosis, usually after like their larval form. So like these baby treehopper insects, such as the jacid treehopper, and that's actually what you see in that image, which I'll also include in the, in the show notes. It looks like a, looks like a wingless bee, that is red and black, but with no stripes, if that makes sense. But it's actually plant hoppers and tree hoppers will attach themselves to a branch or a stem and shove their proboscis inside of the plant and suck out uh, some of the sugary juices flowing through the plant and get a nice meal there. But sometimes, but they suck out so much sugary juices that sometimes they can't process all of it. So some of it uh, comes out of their butt as something called honeydew, which is this sugary fluid. And so ants love to eat this, like, sugar poop. So they will protect the treehopper nymphs by acting as shepherds. And they actually do this with a number of young insects, such as caterpillars, which are the larval forms of moths and butterflies. Caterpillar can also excrete honeydew as a byproduct of eating leaf material, and the ant can also partake of the caterpillar. So they're basically like shepherds protecting the tree hoppers and caterpillars and harvesting their sugary butt juice. Nothing wrong that with that. That was a really nice way of describing a human centipede-like scenario between <laughs> ants and these things just sugar and the I literally I didn't know what I was looking at at this reference photo. I'm looking at an image of a creature that looks like a rejected like concept art from a rejected David Cronenberg movie. And then it's it's something sugary and an ant is on its butt eating it right out of its butt as they're on this yeah. branch together so they are they're creating this 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 chain of horrific insect interaction what sort of par this is this benefit this is parasitic beneficial uh, right no no it's not parasitic at all parasitic is only when one animal is harmed and the other gets something so this is actually mutualistic no i mean i mean to to me I mean to me, not to the bugs, because I'm learning something, but it's parasitic, so it's taking away from... I see. <laughs> yeah, it's painful, but... Right. And it's hurting me, and it's taking away from my my soul, but, but then I... Yeah, but then I learn something. <laughs> so... 
in terms of evolutionary biology, your feelings aren't actually valid. But, wow. Wow. <laughs> so this is a mutualistic relationship because both of the insects benefit. So the ant, you know, it gets the crappy end of the deal, but that's what it likes. <laughs> that's crappy. And then it protects the tree hoppers and caterpillars. So another beautiful friendship that is based around food is dolphins and birds and how they come together to screw over fish. So there is this fascinating relationship between the great egrets and Atlantic bottlenose dolphins who both inhabit the tidal marshes outside of Savannah, Georgia in North America. So basically what a tidal marsh is, it's a marshland that is connected to the sea. And so as the tide goes out, the marshes like get really shallow and then the tide comes in and the marshes get really full. Uh, and there are all these like winding snake-like pathways that the water can take. So it's, it's really pretty when you look at it, but it's all, it's, it's all saltwater marsh. And dolphins can actually go up these winding paths up the marsh and they will do it during low tide, which seems really risky. Like why? Because it almost seems like when the tide gets really low, there can be only like a few inches of water in certain places. So it seems like they would be risking stranding themselves. But they actually have this really interesting hunting tactic that they do at low tide where it'll be a group of like three to four dolphins all coming together and then suddenly just all three or four of them rush onto the shore like they're just trying to like shore themselves all at once. But instead what they're doing is they're forcing fish up onto the shore that they've corralled and the fish are then stranded and the dolphins just lie on their sides snapping up the fish as they fall back into the water and the dolphins haven't completely beached themselves, so they can still, like, get back into the water, so they're fine. But the fish are definitely not fine. Dear God. <laughs> but then these great egrets and other birds have taken notice of these dolphins doing this hunting tactic, which this is the only, in these marshes uh, in uh, Georgia, these are the only place, this is the only place that these dolphins have been observed doing this hunting tactic where they force fish to like become stranded on the shore on these mud banks. But the birds will... Classic, classic Georgia. Georgia. But these yeah. birds will watch the dolphins and wait for them to do this. And then they go and they start eating up the fish that the dolphins can't reach that have like flipped out of, you know, just like the excess fish. So... They just kind of like uh, some of the egrets that observe dolphins doing this have become so dependent on the dolphin hunting habits. They've like basically stopped hunting for themselves and they just wait for these dolphins to do this interesting hunting. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so it, this I would say this is a case of commensalism because I don't think the dolphins are negatively impacted by the bird's presence. Unless the birds are like eating fish that they would have otherwise gotten. But I don't think so because I think a lot of these fish get shoved like way up the shoreline. So they're not going to get them anyways. And we're sure they're not blocking the dolphins and eating I them. I don't know. They're definitely. Right. No. They could be like annoying them, I guess. Like the dolphins. This is like they didn't ask the <laughs> dolphins if they could eat with them and they're just like bothering them and like you mind if i mind if i grab some salt 
that's how I imagined that conversation going between those animals. It's especially funny because they're in salt water, so you don't really need <laughs> any more. You see the humor? It's a uh, it's it's salt salt water marsh. Humor. You don't need more salt, right? I appreciate what you did there. That's fine. The, uh, but this is like this is like a combination of it started out as feeling like a World War II story mm-hmm. where I was just like captivated and like oh my god I can't believe this happened and then and then it turned into like when people tell they tell you not to feed bears because mm-hmm. you're gonna like domesticate or you're gonna make them depend right. not domesticate but you're gonna depend make them dependent on human mm-hmm. sandwiches and beef jerky picnic baskets. They want to wear little bow yeah. ties. You know, where else do you get a Lunchable out there? Yeah. It's devastating to the bear population when they get picnic baskets and then they like start wearing bow ties and just yeah. like they have no survival skills and they have to be put down. They have to be put down. Like when, once they yeah. start wearing bo- bow ties, they've actually got to be put down. So And, and the, the hats. hats. Once they Jaunty get a hat, hats it's hats and little ties. Like they wear like actual ties and collars, but they don't wear shirts, which doesn't make any sense. And it's really sad. And they do have to be euthanized. And they don't have jobs. So they're just mocking <laughs> humans and capitalism, basically. The Zoomers that are listening to this are like, I think, really into Yogi Bear content. So I think this is a good move. To bring in the yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's very yeah. timely so this is great this is this is great I have more references from a hundred mm. years ago that are gonna go over mm. fantastic but yeah. yeah I mean it is it isn't like that I think that's an actually very good point which is that these dolphins are cr- because they are creating this different <laughs> dolphin culture where they do this specific hunting tactic these other animals are becoming dependent on the dolphins hunting and it actually happens in the ocean as well where dolphins will create these bubble nets where they force fish up to the surface out in the open ocean and these birds will watch for that and come and descend and they get a lot of their food just from taking advantage of dolphin ingenuity and who could you Who's smarter, though, in this situation, the dolphins doing all this work or the birds who work smarter, not harder? And just, you know, the birds are like the CEOs in this situation where they let the dolphins do all the work. I was just about to say the dolphins are the workers Mm -hmm. and then the Jeff Bezos of the of the sea comes down and takes all the fish and is like, well, maybe if you had worked (laughs) harder, you would have had more fish. Jeff Bezos. And you're like, son of a birds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wish there was like a, do you do sound effects on sure. this? Can you do like a little ding or something there? What kind of ding? ding? Or like a, like a, like a, like a, wah, 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 wah. Is that the ding? That's not a ding. That's well, what's a, the ding? I mean, what's... like a bell, ding, like a, like a bell sound. Like a ding dong sound? I need to know what sound. No, just like a ding. Like if, you know, if you go to a place and they're like, ring the bell for service, you're just like, ding. You know, it's like that kind okay. of a thing. Yeah, I'll put it. Okay, hang on. Uh, you're doing I'm this gonna... on purpose just to no, make no, no, me no, say, no. just no, no, no. go on for a half an hour about bells. No, that's fine. I'm going to put a oh, ding shit, in right dropped. about now. Did you hear it in the future? Because I put it in there. Oh. Wow, that's not a lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> spooky. spooky. Why is it spooky now? <laughs> well, 
This is part of this is the spooky segment where we right. talk about ghost dolphins. Well, <laughs> now that we've started talking about ghost dolphins, I think that's a good time to end the podcast <laughs> to stop recording the podcast. <laughs> You're like, let me go ahead and stop you right there. Let me go ahead. We've done it. We can't do any more podcasts now that we've sort of jumped the ghost shark here. Um, no, but yeah, thank you so much for joining me today, Randall. It has been really fun, other than the ghost part, you know, that that part <laughs> was bad and <laughs> didn't like it, was too spooky. I was too scared by it. I was not a fan of when you said scientifically my feelings don't matter, but well, I'm going to let that slide. Right. You know why? Because this episode is about friendship. Yeah, that's true. It's, fr- it's And when your friends say they don't acknowledge your feelings, what do you say back? <laughs> that's perfectly fine. Ooh, I don't care anymore. I'm dead inside. Feelings. And then <laughs> Yeah, that's the ghost of my feelings leaving my body and leaving me a husk of a yeah. of, of an well, emotionless that's man. That's what friendships all about. Friendships also about letting your friends plug things on your podcast. So you got anything yeah. plug? I got so much going on. I got uh, you can you can find my custom toys and merch at Perfect Retro uh, with a CK on Perfect on both uh, Instagram and on eBay. You can buy stuff. Nice. So feel free to follow me. Look at what I'm doing. Yeah. And then buy things if you want to, <laughs> and maybe support an artist. Maybe if you want, you know, yeah. whatever you want to do, that's up to you. And then I'm also on this website called uh, t- uh, Twitter d- dot com. Oh yeah, uh, the bird Twitter, There's it's on the Twitter, the Twitter bird. Uh, it's like a little blue bird, no, but yeah, they I've they call it. it Twitter. And then they you put up the you write things on there. You put up like little messages. No, yeah, call, yeah. Like, tweets. Uh, yeah. So I'm on there, and I go like if you go to uh, at, it's my name. My first and last name, Randall Maynard. So it's the at sign, you know that little, yeah, the little. I appreciate you watching the Mannard audience through the concept of Twitter. It's something Twitter, I've never actually done Twitter before. Dot, and I'm Twitter.com. So then, like, you just go there, and then I'm on there, and then you can click follow, yeah. and then you'll yeah. see all of my still, my tweets. Yeah, I, yeah you're you still see, and then, That's you know, good. Go into more right, detail. Right. So like, explain if you want to do that, more if you want to do that. Detail. Feel, I think feel free. Um, I, I like the, the site. I feel like it's a good way to express feelings yeah. and, yeah, and good you know have really nuanced conversations yeah. and all that stuff. Oh, it, it's great! It's, it's great. So Twitter dot com at Randall Manor to Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Great. At that's, Randall Manor to Twitter. Twitter dot dot com. That's, the website. That's uh, good. And I'll, I'll on post your, a on your, picture on your on your web. Yeah, I'll post a picture of the creature feature action figure. Unfortunately, it is not available for sale anymore. It has been recalled because oh, or isn't it, is, it? it is actually has been like just spontaneously combusting, I've heard. Like it just like suddenly gets like just goes up. Well, it was filled with real wasps. Right. I hope you opened it and let them out. out, Which, right, which was, I thought, a cool feature, but parents have been complaining. Also, the head, like, the head of the doll is, like, turning around 360 degrees and saying, like, like, I'm your, I'm your best friend. 
good, and then like a, a laugh, and, and like, fire is good, set a lot of fires, which was actually not a defect, like we, that was, no, that was a that feature that we'd advertised, and I don't understand why parents have a problem with it, is what I'm saying. I don't know, I feel like you did just acknowledge a supernatural though, which no, is a huge hurdle not. for the podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's... And not for just for you as a person, right. just finally admitting that it's that, not, that it's not haunted. demons it's not exist. Haunted. It's branded. The, yeah, <laughs> it's branded by you know demons. Yeah, but, demon, uh, demonic branding. Come on, get with it. Well, you can find us on yeah. the internet at Creature Feature Pod on Instagram at Creature Feet Pod on Twitter. That's F E A T, not F E E T. <laughs> something very different. And you can find me on the internet as well at Katie Golden, G-O-L-D-I-N. And you can just hear my Katie thoughts. And then also, as always, I am at Pro Bird Rights, where, guess what? Birds are, birds are just better than all of us, is what I'm saying. You can just find that out right there on the bird website That's at Pro true. Bird Rights. And thank you for listening i appreciate it very much if you leave a rating or a review i super appreciate that that really helps us out with the robot algorithms and the robots are like beep boop this is a good show boop bop and then uh i also read all the reviews and i really appreciate it for so thank you for writing those they make my day when i read them and if you want to send in episode ideas or questions, you can also write to creaturefeaturepod at gmail. The, and that is creaturefeature, the gmail. So creaturefeaturepod at gmail.com. That's how, that's how mail, webmail works. Yeah, you just send, send a webmail over there. Can they email you some money? Can they email you the podcast no. money? How do no, you do that my, part? You can't you put the... money in the computer. That's dumb. That's a dumb question. What? Thanks to the space I can put money in a computer. You can't put money in a computer. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Thanks to the space classics for their super awesome song, Ex Illumina. Creature features a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, just between you and me, anywhere you get your podcast. Doesn't matter. I don't judge. See you next Wednesday. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually 
in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 